lot of you will remember Jay, so. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, we came back this weekend to uh, see everybody here. Uh, a lot's changed in my life since I was here. Um, most of it for the better. So uh, we came back just to uh, see everybody and uh, worship here. Um, if it's okay, I'd like to just open up with a quick prayer and get things started. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this, uh, this, this, this body of people here that are uh, all here seeking you. Um, the restoration and love and joy that have taken place uh, in my life because of this place has been phenomenal, and I'm sure you touch everybody's life. Uh, everybody here is seeking you and will continue to seek, uh, continue to seek you. And uh, we just ask that you continue to bless us the best way that you can, the only way you know possible. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jay. Welcome. Hey, man. Welcome home, dude. All right, eventually we're going to get into Mark chapter 6. So if you want to find that, you can go ahead and, and find that in the Bible or on your digital screen there and kind of hang tight because I'm going to go back just a few weeks and bring us back up to this place to get us into Mark 6. Uh, like I said, like this week we're going to talk about um, why is small better? Why, why is small beneficial? It may not, well, it, I think it is. Small is good. Small is um, strengthening, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And then over the course of the weeks of what we're going to start unpacking because we're, we're getting close to Pentecost. All right? So for us as uh, believers of Jesus, that really doesn't come up on the radar screen that much. But if, if you were living in a time before Jesus, then it really came up on your radar screen. And if you were there at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the scene, then it's a big deal. And so what we're going to do over the course of weeks is just unpack that and find out what is the significance of Pentecost in the old and the new? Are there any similarities there? And then out of the Spirit, these gifts come flowing. Tremendous gifts. Outrageous gifts. Empowering gifts. And we're going to talk about how through the gifts that the body is one. That through our sharing of our gifts that we become stronger when we come together in our uniqueness instead of separate. It's going to be a great ride. I want you to be a part of it. You bring folks with you. Alright? Tonight, I want us to just... Jump back just for a second. You don't have to go there. You will remember this scene. It's the scene when Jesus, after His resurrection, had shown Himself to not only the disciples, but was showing Himself to others before He ascended. In this particular one, Jesus is on the beach. The boys are out fishing. And He sees them. And He's, he's hollering at them. Hey, boys! And at first, they really don't know who it is. Quite a ways. But then they discover that it's Jesus, man. And if you remember the scene, Peter just comes crashing upon the shore to see Jesus. And when they get there, they start coming back to the back and they have breakfast. And, and it was a, the same kind of scene where they hadn't caught much. He tells them how to go fish. They get a bunch. And, and they're back on the beach and they're eating. And it's the scene where Jesus in chapter 21 where He's asking Peter three different times, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter replies, yes. And he says, feed my sheep. You remember? And then, and then Jesus asked him again. You know, So he's just there with Peter and the guys. And he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Uh, yes, Lord. You, at times you can almost feel that Peter's starting to get ramped up a little bit. Like, why is he asking me that again? And then for the third time, we see that, let's just look at it. It says John 21. You don't have to go there. It's in verse 17. It says, The third time he asked him, this is Jesus speaking. He goes, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus then said again, feed my sheep. Peter was hurt. And I think it's interesting that Jesus asked Peter three times. How many times did Peter deny him? I think Jesus, very on purpose, is helping Peter replace a memory. Do you love me to the girl when the girl said, Do you know him? You're one of them. No! Now Jesus is with him and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's going, yes. There are some memories in our life that we need to replace, right? Jesus is the one that will replace those. He is the Redeemer of all. And so allow Him to change that memory as He did for Peter in this scene. And so He goes on, and if you remember, we found out that the words there meant spiritual welfare. That when Jesus was saying, tend and feed, Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm tasking you and the fellas to take care of others' spiritual welfare, and I'm tasking you to give others what their soul needs. I want you to nourish them. And we left that night going, how did they do that? Because the tomorrow came, and Jesus was gone, and that conversation is with them. And so can you imagine the conversation as they cast nets again and going, boys, how do we do that? Jesus said that He wants us to teach others how to take care, spiritual welfare, how to nourish. Heck, I don't even know how to get it myself yet. Can you feel some of that intensity of Jesus asking us that? And yet they never flinch. And so they go on, and, and I love how Jesus didn't respond in, in, out of any kind of anger towards, towards Peter. Gang, as we sang, look, look at me here just for a second. This is a quick freebie. <laughs> is God's motive for you good or bad? I'm going to ask that one more time for the folks at home so they can hear a group of people. Is God's motive for us good or bad? Okay, now, when life gets crazy, you pull out your motive filter and you start asking, God is for me, right? He's good. Then whatever crazy is going on, God's nature for us is good. So we can release God from being the hammer. Right? Are you... These guys knew that. So do we. So do you. 
And so how do they do it? I think they did it a little bit like this. i got to set this up. Now we're going to be over into Mark. Mark 6. So that sets us up on spiritual welfare. Think about it as we're talking. What are the things and ways that you determine how to get spiritual welfare? How does your soul get nourished? Well, we've been having folks come up. It was a lot like Dotson came up last week. What, wasn't that good? That Whoever was here? That was good. Did you see that, Dotson? Everybody's nodding their head. I asked Dotson, I said, how would you feel about it? And he went back and listened to it. You always go back and listen to it. And he, uh, he goes, I sound like a hillbilly. And I, I said, well, it's because we are. <laughs> we are hillbillies. I'm proud to be a hillbilly. Aren't y'all? So we're in Mark 6. The scene is Jesus is back in His hometown. And Jesus is back in the synagogue. And Jesus is back in the synagogue and He's teaching the old boys. He's teaching the old know-it-alls. He's teaching the guys that have grown up with the uh, religious leaders, all of the teachers of the law. And He's in there with them in the crowd. And we see in verse 3 that after Jesus was teaching, we see that the people were amazed. Amazed! At his teaching. Then in verse 3, look, at, look what happens real quick. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. I'm going to go on. Jesus then told them, he said, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place His hand on a few sick people and heal them. Verse 6, And He was amazed, (laughs) He He too was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. Look where He went to after that. He's in the official structure. He goes in. People say, golly, this guy's got some wisdom. He's got knowledge. He's got heart. He knows exactly what's going on. And deep down, gang, they, I believe with everything in me that they knew that he was speaking the truth, but it meant their welfare. It meant their life. And they scoffed at him. They dismissed him. Now here's a quick one. How often do you dismiss yourself? from being able to carry out the teachings of Jesus and people be in amazement. Just with your life. Because that's all these guys were doing. And that, how many times do we ever say, man, I'm just not... Hey, someone will come up to you and they kind of want to know a little bit more about this guy named Jesus and you immediately try to find someone that you in your mind thinks knows more than you. Gang, they've come to you. Believe. Trust in the ability that you have in that moment. And so Jesus goes on, and then I love the fact that He just goes on. He just says, man, let's go. We're out. Goes village to village teaching. And on the way, this is Jesus doing life again. And as He goes, He's sending His disciples out. And check out how He starts sending them out. He sends them out two by two with only a walking stick. Deb and I were on a trail Friday and with everything in me at points, I wished I'd had a walking stick. 
And I can remember the days when I would, if someone was on the trail and they had a walking stick, and I was kind of going, rookie. <laughs> They're rookies. They need a walking stick. Well, it helps to balance. It helps keep us centered, right? And so that's me living in unbelief of needing the very thing that I need in the moment and being afraid to speak it out because of an image I think I want someone else to have of me. That's dismissing myself. That's dismissing my ability. That's dismissing everything that God has blown into me at the moment. Okay? He sends them out. He gives them authority to cast out unclean evil spirits. Those spirits are those that typically intrude and invade our thoughts, gang. Now, here's a quick question just with a raise of hand. Do you believe that you've been given that same authority to cast out? On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, if you believe that. Okay, good. Most of the room did. Way to go. For those that didn't raise your hand, if you've said yes to Jesus, you have the same authority as the boys that were fishing with Jesus called the disciples. Same Holy Spirit. Same authority. Same power. He tells the guys to find a safe place. When they go into a town, stay in the same place all the time. And what he's telling them is just find you a, a place of peace, of refuge. Find you a quiet place and stay there. And so when they went, here's what, let's jump to chapter, or chapter 6, verse 12. Let's look right here. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And so what they're saying is, look, we want you to change your mind. We want you to change your heart. We want you to turn from your unbelief and turn to God. We want you to turn to Jesus. He is the way to have complete approval. And so He's going in the homes. Picture yourself being one of the two disciples as you're going two by two. And you're knocking on doors. Can I help you? Uh, yes. Uh, can we stay with you? What for? Why are you here? Uh, well, sir, uh, we want to share some good news with you. As a matter of fact, we think it's tremendous news. We, we think that it's news that will change your life, sir, ma'am. What is that news, son? We believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has died on a cross and He's been in a tomb and He's resurrected. We've seen Him eaten with Him, sir. He's just sent us out. It's tremendous news. Our acceptance, our approval to God is complete through your yes with Him. Can we please stay with you? No! Boom! How many doors slammed? How many doors may have slammed, but the one that opened their door and said, man, come on in here. The conversations would have been so deep in the homes. They go on in Mark, uh, chapter 13, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. And gained the anointing from from the days that God blew life into people is a, is a symbol of holiness. It's a separation. You're set apart. You are holy. You've been anointed with the oil of Christ. And so they're going in and doing that. 
We're going to skip all the way down. If you go back, please go back and read this. It's a tremendous read. Because this one little part that we're going to fly over, it's 14 through 27. King Herod's in there, and man, they're... It, it may look like whiskey dicks over there across the street sometimes. They're just they're getting hammered. They're getting hammered. And and so sometimes we make promises in our hammeredness, right? I can remember doing a whole bunch of those. Right? And he made a promise and the one of the promises was to his wife's daughter out of that and beheaded John the Baptist. It's just kind of crazy. It's a tremendous read. We're gonna fly over that. Please go back and read it. Because at the time when they go back and Jesus is saying, look, we're going to be in verse 31. He said, Jesus is saying, we got to find us a quiet place. we got to find a quiet place. Jesus and the guys have been in big groups all day long. And so now Jesus is modeling soul care. Let's go to a quiet place. Let's go get some rest. Let's go nourish our hearts with one another. And so they jump in the boats. And we'll see, verse 34, that about the only quiet time that they were able to get with one another was when they were in the boat. (laughs) They were getting in the boat and they were heading out and people were going, there they are! There he is! There's the guys! (laughs) And they're running. They're they're flipping running after Jesus and the guys. And so they get there in verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd. And as He stepped from the boat, He had compassion. That word means, gang, suffer with. Suffer with from the deepest part of your being. And so Jesus is suffering with them on because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many things. And so here's where we're going to start getting into the small. You're going to see here in just a second that the crowds were enormous. 5,000. And so Jesus sees this throng of people following Him and the disciples. And He suffered with them. He saw the pain. He saw the desire. He saw people needing and wanting hope desperately. He may have even seen some of the people that the disciples were staying with in their homes flying to Him. When they get there, they got 5,000 of them. And and I think by this time, if you went back and read that, you'd see that the old boys hanging out with Jesus, the disciples, they were getting tired and hungry. And they go up and they said, Lord, can You just send everybody away? You ever wanted that to happen? There's times, man, at my house, if you're ever at my house, and and uh, that I get tired. <laughs> I do. I get tired. So it, and sometimes it's around nine, nine thirty, and man, I start getting up and I'm I'm restless in my tiredness. And uh, and there's times I just want everybody to go home. <laughs> I just want everybody to go home. But that's okay. They can stay there, and and, and I tell Deb. She loves when I do this. I'll just tell everybody, deuces, I'm out. Dev will let you out. Dev will let you out. But don't we get tired? But how many times, gang, you got to hear this, how many times do we say, I'm okay. I'm alright. We just dismissed. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to have self-care. It's okay to get nourishment for your heart. 
It's okay to get that. As a matter of fact, it's more than okay. It's vital. It's crazy important. Then Jesus told the disciples after that, He said, look, in verse 37, He said, uh, he said Lord, let, let's let all of them go. Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. They're looking around. There's 5,000 people around them. With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And they went out and they found five loaves, two fish. You know the story. He fed them, right? But look at this. Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass, so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Why? Small's good. Why did he break them down? He could have just fed them. Have anybody ever been to one of these big events where they feed you? And the serving lines and all the organization and coordination that goes into that? But Jesus, look how He models it. He's taking the, the, the fish and the bread. Praise God for the ones that gave theirs up. That said, yeah, I've got some... I got, I, here, i got bread. Take that. Here, i got fish. Take that. And Jesus takes it and He hands it to the disciples to dispense out to others. And see, in that, I think what He's teaching is tremendously important. How are you feeding with fish and bread of Christ? The bread and water of Christ. He, Jesus could have done it like that. But He knew, gang, He needed and desired us to be His hands and feet of hope. And so He shows the boys. Here you go. You feed it to them. But here's the other piece that I just love to ponder. And we're going to assimilate it in just a second. And some folks are going, oh crap. That means we're getting in small groups. <laughs> Picture yourself in the group of 50. You've been standing there, and now all of a sudden the disciples are huddling everybody up. Here you go. Y'all get over here. So it'd be like this. It'd be like y'all right here. And then you just start turning to one another. And you have to feel yourself in the awkwardness of eyeballing people that for the most part you've never eyeballed before. But you're there for the same reason. And it would be like getting this group of people in the same group and you too feel in the awkwardness of looking at one another and feeling what it feels like to go, man, I don't want to share anything. But we're here for the same purpose. You were running after Jesus. And so now you're going to be fed. But you're going to be fed how? Yeah, tangibly, physically with fish and bread. But what more, gang? Absolutely, Brandy. Who do you allow to nourish your soul in small groups? Who's helping? Who knows how to take care of your soul in small groups? Are we... We're doing this in our homes. That's the first place, right? But look as you travel. How can we develop groups within our, the way that we are doing life with folks that can already go, 
hey, uh, we're in this group. What's your name? And so, remember, Jesus began to teach. And you're in the group. And so one of the questions, could it have been, what have you heard Jesus teach? Gang, none of these on the scene. Hey, how long have you been following Him? What did He teach you? You, this is my first day. What, what else have you learned? Have I missed anything? Wow. That's what I want us to do. I want you to get in a group around you right now. And I just want you to share what's Jesus teaching you. I want you to close all books. I want you to shut down your digital screens. And get in a small group and just for five minutes bark out what Jesus has taught you. Don't quote Scripture. They didn't have it. Say it in your words. What are your words? Alright, so y'all do this real quick. Just go ahead and immediately just start turning around, getting with groups. So like these first, let me, let me help you. These three ropes 